We'll be speaking to those charities that benefit from the Radio Kerry charity Bingo. We have another episode of A Bloss of Kerry where we look at family food businesses represented in this county. And today we've a good one for you. We're featuring O'Sullivan's Bakery in Clorglan. This is a story that is full of history and is passed down through the generations. And you'll all know them by their famous red wrapper. We'll also have our Kerry County Council, Creative Kingdom, letting you know what's going on in the arts world around the county. So like I said, a very busy programme. But first, Radio Kerry uh, Charity Bingo over the last number of years has raised €251,420 for its four Kerry Charity beneficiaries. They are the Kerry Cancer Support Group, Kerry Hospice, Recovery Haven, Kerry Cancer Support House and Comfort for Chemo. Kerry, and uh, this year we've raised in Radio Kerry 130,412 euro. That's 32,603 euro each. It's where I was an accountant here, the way I'm giving out these figures, but uh, it is an amazing um, amount of money. And before we get to talk to the charities, we're uh, going to talk now to our chairperson here in uh, on the board of Radio Kerry, John O'Sullivan. John, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. And um, before we talk about um, the Radio Kerry charity bingo, we should mention um, the sad passing of former Senator board member here in Radio Kerry and founder uh, Paul Coughlin. Very sad news this week. It is indeed very sad news and on behalf of everybody in Radio Kerry, we, I'd like to offer our sympathy to Peggy and her family and the wider, and the wider O'Shea family on the death of Paul. Paul was a founding director of Radio Kerry. He was a founding shareholder and he served on the board for many, many years and we were very lucky to have him. He he gave us very, very wise counsel over the years and obviously he brought a wealth of experience and a breadth of knowledge that maybe we badly needed at the time. Radio Kelly is a, is a wonderfully successful organisation now and a lot of that goes back to Paul Coughlin and the wise counsel that he offered us at board meetings over many years. So on behalf of everybody, I wish to offer our serious condolences to Peggy and her family. Yeah, um, I met him once or twice, very approachable man, great sense of humour as well, and uh, formidable, so uh, we echo those sentiments. Uh, he was indeed, John he was said, indeed. May he rest in peace. He'd be badly missed. Mm. Um, now, the Radio Kerry uh, charity bingo, I mentioned the figures there, John, it's it's a wonderful uh, initiative, and um, I suppose it's all for these wonderful charities as well, really. It is indeed, and I suppose the first thing is that it's a tribute to the people of Kerry. Uh, we The bingo has been operating know for a number of years and it, the, the support for the bingo is massive um, like f- over 50% 54-55% of people that listen to radio in the county listen to Radio Kerry and it very substantial number of those people buy bingo books every week and it builds up to a very healthy, you know, b- um, prize every so often. We, we'd like to see it being won a bit more often than it has been won, but there it is. I mean, sometimes it's won very quickly, sometimes it isn't. But it, it gives us the, the chance to, to give something back to the county. And, I mean, there's wonderful work being done by these four charities. You wonder sometimes how they get the time to do it and all the rest of it because it can, in many cases it's log hours and it's hard work and maybe they don't always get the appreciation of the thanks that they need and deserve because they give freely of their time and it is you know it is it it builds the fabric of the county 
Mm. And it makes the county a better place to live in. And we owe a huge debt to the people that do all the work in this. And we are, this is a small way of saying thanks. And, you know, it's 130000 for the year. It's 32000 It's a lot of money. And hopefully it will make the job for the four charities a bit easier. Yeah, as well as, um, you know, talking about those charities is so important in mentioning um, the names of, of the entities involved as well. And uh, the weight, it's worth the weight when it's building up like that. It, I tell it, you. it is indeed. <laughs> It is indeed. <laughs> um, but John, thanks a million for coming in, but we better get to, I suppose, the most important people in the room. We better get to uh, the uh, charities. And firstly, I'm going to speak with Breed O'Connor, who's committee member and patients advocate with Comfort for Chemo. Uh, Kerry, uh, Breed O'Connor. Breed, you're very welcome. Thanks, Joe. So tell us, what, um, is, what is Comfort for Chemo first, and then what is your role within it? Um, I suppose... Can I just say a huge thank you first and foremost to Kerry Radio. I mean, all four of our charities are here um, and I think we echo what John has just said. It is an absolute tribute to um, the people of the county to get in behind us, but also yourselves. You have been amazing to us and um, this will really help us. And I suppose I'm coming from Comfort for Chemo Kerry. Um, I, the goal of the charity, it was set up in 2018 to basically build a cancer unit here in Kerry. Um, we don't have a state-of-the-art cancer unit in Kerry. Um, we have one to the north of our county in Limerick and they have one in Cork, but we actually don't have one here in our home county. Mm. And, you know, that's heartbreaking really. And I suppose um, Mary Fitzgerald set up the charity in 2018 and she has an oncology background. So she could see, you know, coming down the track that the numbers of cancer patients are increasing, um, but we just don't have the space. Um, so that's where the call to action came and that's where the charity you know grew out of um, that we would champion this champion that we here in Kerry would get our own standalone state of the art unit and deservedly so and and then you know with that it's twofold really she wanted the comfort okay so what is the comfort for the patient and in particular comfort for chemo Kerry um, wanted to provide that as the charity so get the state of the art unit built you know and uh-huh and then provide the comfort for the the patients that are journeying through this. Mm. And how do you get involved? Um, I suppose at the time, actually, Kerry Radio came up to the ward and, it, and Deirdre was doing a piece on why the charity was the starting. Deirdre Walsh. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, Mary Fitzgerald um, asked, would a patient come on and have a chat? So a couple of us sat around the table and I spoke at how important it was that the comfort was just as important in um, the treating of the patient. That, you know, healing isn't just clinical. Mm. Healing, healing has to be about wellness. And, and I suppose at the time for me, it was so beneficial that I could have my treatment here in Kerry. Mm. And it was... And Why? I suppose um, I had small children at yeah. the time. They were in Fiery's National School. Um, and, uh, like, it gave me the privilege to be able to take them to school in the morning, um, you know, and keep the show on the road. Yeah. And every mother wants to do that. Um, and, you know, you're, when you're going through um, any kind of treatment, um, you know, a lot of it is smoke and mirrors and you, you just want to get up and get on and, and get it done. But also as well, you want to keep those your loved ones around you as well um, moving forward as well. And it doesn't have to hit the whole house. So when I was able to go in, uh, drop them to school and then I was 15 minutes over the road and into the chemo unit, have my treatment. And then in some cases I was home and back and, and ready. For, you know, and that to me was a huge comfort. 
and this is something that is not privy to everybody and unfortunately even my own uncle recently um, uh, in his cancer journey had to go to Cork and and I know that that journey was um, really arduous for them. So if we can build a unit here, you know, and we can have this here and a state of the art unit, you know, we don't want something that's just, uh, uh, um, I suppose, uh, very small and limited. We want something that is going to progress with time and it's visionary. Mm. Um, and where do you think you are with that goal? So, great news. Um, because we've been championing this and we have been, you know, I suppose, uh, calling for ac- action on it, um, we recently got um, funding um, and it has been announced that they're going to build this unit for us. Um, so, that's stage one. Um, I'm very lucky that the HSC have allowed that. Um, a- patient slash um, committee member can go on the design team. Um, so I have seen the plans. But that's important. Like, yeah. Hugely important yeah. and hugely important because, as I said, there is a, a clinical aspect to chemotherapy, but there's also wellness. Yeah. Um, so I have been championing that, that we would build a unit that, by all accounts now, we have three floors. Mm. Okay, so it's a standalone unit with three floors. Um, I have asked that in the middle floor that we would look out onto Mish, onto our left, and Tralee Bay, and you know you can see Venus Lighthouse from it from that height up, and that when people come into the unit, then that there, there's a hope, there is a sense that yes, this is only intermediary, this mm. is only for a short time. This is you know um, they look out and they look out at the life happening around them. Mm. That this I'm going to take this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to journey through this and then I'm going to get out the other side and I'm yeah. going to live my life well and we know that, that the science is there um, you know and it's keeping us you know um, alive for longer you mm. know and and there is so much coming down the track and yeah. um, and that's it but we need to be ready in Kerry okay so this unit will have a day patient in the ground floor then um, you'd have the, the services of the oncology services and up and the top then a compounding unit which is actually going to make the chemo all here in Kerry. Well, and how is uh, the Radio Kerry charity going to help there in, 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 in the line of that? Hugely important because not only have you, um, I suppose um, put our name out there um, and that's very important. People and you have given us, even this morning now giving us a platform to tell people this is what we're trying to build. This is what we're hoping to get. Um, that's the, you know, you get in, people often ask us oh I didn't realise you could have your cancer treatment in Kerry. People are very surprised by that and they think that oh you have to go out of the county and that's because of course the service is there but it's limited Mm. yeah and like if we can grow our service and we can have that here well then obviously there's always going to be services they're always going to have to go to Cork for um, radiotherapy, there's always going to be different things that you will have to go um, out of the county for but to have your chemotherapy here so that's what Radio Kerry has done for us Um, but it's not only yourselves but it's also as well the people that have got behind it it has been phenomenal. Yeah. So we're so gracious. Excellent. Breed O'Connor, you're a great spokesperson for Comfort for Chemo and Kerry. I often say, uh, say this when I do this a lot, but I'd follow you into the battle, definitely, uh, af- after that. Um, and, and well done. And uh, we wish you all the best with that endeavour. And I think an important word you said there was hope, and that, that, is, that is so important. So, Breed O'Connor, thanks a million for coming in and telling us all about it. And best of luck. Now we're going to talk to more of these wonderful charities. We'll go to break and I'll talk to you after these. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly, Hogan's Funeral Home, Tralee. 
that's what you listen to and I hope you're enjoying the programme so far 0667123666 for your calls you can text the WhatsApp 083 300 we're talking about the Radio Kerry charity uh, Bingo which has raised 251,420 euro for its four Kerry charity beneficiaries and they are Kerry Cancer Support Group Kerry Hospice Recovery Haven and Kerry Cancer Support House and Comfort for Chemo um, Kerry and now I'm delighted to say from Kerry Cancer Support Group we have service manager or one of the team as she likes to be described Breda Dyland and we also have service user Lisa Murphy and Lisa was in before with us remember her son Martin was in with Kerry Social Farming you're both very welcome how are you? Hi, Hi Joe um, Breda tell us about uh, Kerry Cancer Support Group what do you do in a nutshell? I suppose, Joe, we're we're the main provider of transport for cancer patients to their treatments in the region, uh, healthling transport, and we that's essentially in it, that's what we do. Mm. Uh, we we leave we leave everything else to the other charities. When I started first uh, over ten years ago, now we would have done uh, a little bit of other things as well. But we now we now refer everybody to to Recovery Haven for all of that, and we all work together uh, to for the betterment of patients and what they need. You know, for a holistic approach to everything. And we we said then that we would specialise in transport, and we've gotten. A we're, we're the most trusted provider of healthling transport now in the region. Mm. Uh, and when I say the region, Kerry, West Cork and West Limerick. Wow. So, yeah. And uh, you, I think last time you were on to us, you were trying to get your bus, wasn't it? We were talking about getting a bus, and I suppose that's where I have to thank uh, the people of the people of Kerry, like Breed did earlier. The people of Kerry, Radio Kerry, for, for the awareness raised, because, like, like, We've sometimes we're an invisible service, but now I go out and I go into the shops where Radio Kerry Bingo cards are being sold, and people say, "Oh, are, is this you? Are, are you one of these?" You know, so it has raised a huge amount of awareness, and that to us often is just as much as as funding. It means just as much to us. Uh, so last year, when I was on last year, we we had this. Well, we we were in the pipeline of buying a new bus. We wanted to get a wheelchair fully to make the service fully accessible to to everybody because while we were able to look after somebody if they rang us uh, if they wanted to be taken to treatment we could we could rent out or we could lease out a wheelchair accessible vehicle but they weren't able to to benefit from the the whole support of the peer support I suppose of going with everybody else on the bus so we wanted to get a wheelchair accessible bus for Cork and as, through awareness as well, people did a lot of fundraising for that, but through the Radio Kerry Bingo and the funding from it, uh, we now have the bus has been, the new bus has been on the road for the last three weeks. So we now have that state of the art uh, wheelchair accessible vehicle. Yeah, so, fa- fantastic yeah. Uh, news. Um, we're also joined by um, service user Lisa Murphy. Lisa, firstly, how are you? I'm doing well, Joe, thank you. Yeah, and uh, tell us um, what has your experience been like uh, with this wonderful charity? Um, well, my experience really, like my whole family, like like Breed had said earlier as well, you know, I'm a parent, so we do have to keep the show on the road as well. And um, like I'm well into my cancer journey now and it was just the motivation to keep going and the having to go then every day, you know, for the radium treatment in Cork. Um, that was every day for three weeks. So I had heard about um, the, the cancer support group and from some, a colleague at work. So I gave them a ring and really like the camaraderie on the bus, you know, just 
meeting people who would have the same cancer as you and you know it's just it really we just struck up conversations and friendships now I think even for going forward but it was just reliable every day um, you know they never left without us they always checked where we were if we weren't back where we were supposed to be um, it really was more than just hopping on a bus and going to Cork it was taking care of us it was easy to stay motivated to keep going um, it, it was just the best service for us and for my family definitely anyway hmm. so I can't thank them enough it was I, I, it was just it was a lifesaver for our family Yeah Do you know what strikes me when Breed was talking you were talking you're smiling mad and you know plenty <laughs> enthusiasm and you know we're talking about a heavy subject matter here but it's amazing I'd say the bonds that are formed on a bus journey like that is you know it is a metaphorical journey as well you know Yeah it is like, and, like you know you go up and like you can sleep too and you know so nobody's you know you could doze off mid conversation because you're having <laughs> and no one gets it. insulted but it's fine conversation <laughs> just carries on around you so um, like we're all on we were on this, like we're on the same journey a lot of us would even have the same cancer and that's just something you learn from talking but like it's still it is cancer you're right and like you do need to sleep so those who can do and those who can't sleep you know and you know Mike I have to shout out to the driver Mike like he's just nothing faced him like I mean there was many many different personalities and uh, if it's just like I just can't recommend it enough like it's it's more than like it's more than just hopping on a bus it really is it's it's exactly what you need and it was motivation for me because the thoughts of going to Cork every single day I just didn't see how I could stay motivated and I would be generally upbeat but I was dreading it but actually it was no trouble at all just get up in the morning knowing that this was going to make a difference and I did nap too you know <laughs> you know, you, you have to because it is treatment yeah. but you know it, it was just it was great and I you know honestly it was, it was just a great service it was a lifesaver not just for me for, for my family to keep the show on the road a lifesaver yeah. yeah and I suppose like sometimes you hear about these charities and you go oh, they're doing wonderful work but unless you're kind of in it yourself you really appreciate it then I'd imagine Oh, absolutely, yeah, because when I met some colleagues there from work, you know, I finished the treatment last week, so I went for coffee and they said, you know, you know, because they know me a bit, you know, like, and, you know, I have no problems with opinions, so uh, they asked me who would I, who would I, you know, advocate for, who would be, and I was like, oh, without a doubt, the bus, like, the, the Kerry Cancer Support Group, it just, it really made that big a difference to us. Yeah. You know, it just did. Yeah. How's uh, Martin getting on? Martin is great. He's great. He's still social farming, so um, I've had some skin reactions to the treatment, so my farmer has aloe vera plants now growing and, you know, in my house, so, you know, I'm, you know, it, it, it just, it's another service that just keeps on going for us. Yeah. Keeps on giving. Yeah. You yeah. have your own personal farmer, you have your own personal driver. Outside, yeah, I do, Marty, yeah. So, yeah. you know, you do need the supports, but honestly, Kerry Cancer support for, for our family was huge, and for me, I got so much from it. I can't say enough. I, I just got so much from it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Breda, it's it's a, a very fulfilling job, I'd imagine, what, you, what you're doing. It is. We get to meet so many different people, you know, and, and like... Uh, like Lisa said, our drivers, we wouldn't, we literally wouldn't be on the road without them, but there we've met and we have so many different, different personalities of drivers too, but they, they're, they're unbelievable. You cannot, I mean, if we went out and looked for a specific job description, you couldn't make one up to fit these guys. They're, they're just fantastic. You know, and we get so many people ringing in all the time about them. Uh, they they support people. They and at the end of the day, they're drivers, but they're not. 
their their social workers, their 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 mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters to these people who are travelling with them for sometimes up to eight weeks. You know, we have people on there for eight weeks, like like we have people coming in from Sneem, Cahar Saivin, uh, Valencia, Dingle, the west of Dingle. You know, uh, they're they're long journeys mm. just just to get to our service alone. Yeah, they are long journeys, and we also have volunteer drivers in those places who who bring people to the bus. So, you know, the the amount of goodwill that's out there and it's it's hard to convey that thanks is not often a, a big enough word yeah, you know yeah. but, but we love what we do and like like I always say when I go out and people are sick of hearing this like but the two words cracking cancer shouldn't go in the same sentence but they do on our service cracking cancer <laughs> cracking cancer <laughs> but they do they go together a lot of the time on our service yeah you know? very good um, if people want more information um, on you because I know like you have the bus on the road but it costs money to keep these buses on the road so and and he, does, there's yeah. a lot of, you know, logistics involved there as well. So if people want more information on upcoming um, events you have, where should they go? Uh, we have our website, uh, our Facebook page. Um, if they just look up Kerry Cancer, Kerry Cancer Support Group, any of those things on social media. And of course, our phone number seven one nine five five six zero seven one nine five five six zero. They can ring us at any time. It switches over to my mobile. So yeah. <laughs> you're always on call. You can catch us. Yeah, Brida, thanks a million for coming in. Problem, Lisa, thanks a million for coming in and telling us your story. And we wish you all the best in your journey. Thank you. Now we're going to take a break, and we'll be talking to more wonderful charities that benefit from the Radio Kerry Charity Bingo after these. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly, Hogan's Funeral Home, Tralee. Yeah, and before I forget it, can I say um, best of luck to Ryan Griffin, who's representing Kerry in the World Games and the Special Olympics in Germany. He had a massive send-off in Waterville yesterday. Very fitting of the man, and he's competing in the running events, and he's throwing the javelin as well. And you can see all over Kerry, their signs up, wishing him the best of luck. So go with the support of Kerry behind you, uh, Ryan, and we wish you the best of luck. And you know what? Enjoy it. Enjoy the whole experience and we look forward to welcoming you back um, when you come back and well done to everyone who organised all the fundraising events over the, the last while as well. Now we're talking to the Radio Kerry uh, Charity Bingo Beneficiaries and uh, I'm delighted to say now joined, joining us in studio we have members from Recovery Haven we have Siobhan Max Sweeney who's Client Services Coordinator we've Teresa Grimes who's Service User and we have Una she, who's a volunteer listener. I love that title. It's a great uh, <laughs> title. Um, now, Siobhan, we'll talk to you first, I suppose. Tell us, what is Recovery Haven before we, we go into the more depth? Morning, Joe. Thanks so much for having us this morning. So, Recovery Haven is, I suppose, Kerry's Community Cancer Support House. And in that, then, we provide a drop-in service, um, information, sort of education, and also we provide things like counselling, complementary therapies, support groups, um, we do hydrotherapy and exercise classes. So I suppose it's a whole lot of services to support people who are dealing with a cancer diagnosis and also as they move into that survivorship phase after um, their treatment. And I suppose then, uh, very importantly, we also support family members. So sometimes when uh, families have people that pass on, again, that we support into that bereavement phase too. Yeah, and uh, I know that, um, you know, speaking to Recovery Haven over the years, the wonderful 
wonderful facilities, the different things like the sensory garden and things that have been done over the years, but also the families are at the heart of it and families sometimes are forgotten, so that's so important as well. Absolutely. When a cancer diagnosis comes into a home, the ripple effect is felt by everyone. Um, and I suppose that's very much what we're trying to do is that it's a support service for uh, both the patient and um, the family unit as a whole. And in that then, like that, the counselling service is opened to spouses, uh, children, um, and we provide the play therapy and adolescent support as well. Mm. Now, you're, you, um, there's a new build. That's what that that's the big project here, and I presume that's what this uh, money that's raised in Radio Carry Charity Mingo will help with. Well, I suppose from a fundraising point of view, we need to raise at least over 200,000 to keep our services going every year mm. uh, from fundraising alone and I mean that's a big ask within a community and you have four wonderful charities so within uh, the, the community of Kerry there's people are so good for supporting all the cancer support uh, services available but like to be raising over that um, is a big ask each year so I suppose um, like that we have our build that's going on it's an extension and a, a renovation of the existing building at Five Higgs Terrace and we're almost at the completion point of that. We're due to move back in in August. I suppose we all know like that we're looking at budgets and costs because building costs have increased yeah, greatly. it's a real tough time so it's yeah. a great achievement to be thinking. Absolutely and, and we nearly have it over the line and I suppose between that and the cost of delivering services, um, the money, there's a big bucket to fill so this, this money is so greatly welcomed uh, and I mean this is the second year we've got the support and so greatly appreciative of it. Um, the build is, is due to, we're due to move back into the premises in August and we're really uh, looking forward to that. I keep saying we're going home. And I, the other thing is I suppose when the board of directors in their wisdom decided to, to start this project at the end of last year, we were still coming out of lockdown and I was going, oh, you know, oh my God, how are we going to manage all this? Um, and we sort of had, had to reshuffle our services and we went out to different places delivering services and it's all been a bit cramped and everything else. But you know, the reality is that come September we'll be back in a beautiful new building the, we'll have a new garden I mean we had a lovely delivery from um, with the support of the Marrakeeshing Foundation we got uh, their garden from Bloom we got the plants from Whoa. it delivered during the week and I said that shows beautiful collaboration between charities within the community sector making sure that resources are, are and things are being you, you know passed on from one to the other so we'll be back to having a beautiful garden that backs onto the community yeah. hospital behind us um, and great to sort of see that community Community uh, involvement and spirit going forward. Excellent, uh, Teresa Grimes. Um, you're a service user. How are you? First of all, Erin, very well. Thank you for having us. Yeah. And how? What has your experience been like with Recovery Haven? Well, you know, they always say you know the services are out there, mm. but you don't ever want to know the services are out I, there. I understand. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I work, actually work in the community hospital at the back of Recovery Haven, so I've seen it every day of my working life, go, going back and forth and we'd be talking over the wall to the volunteers going in to do the garden. So I was diagnosed uh, early last year with breast cancer and do you know what? I, it was a tough hurdle made so much easier by Recovery Haven. Yeah. They linked me in with so many support from education to the Cork-Kerry Cancer Support Bus that I was able to go up and down to Limerick on for all my five weeks of madness um, to going in to meeting the volunteers like Una whom I'm doing hydrotherapy with 
best crack ever. What's hydrotherapy now? It's water anyway, yeah? It's exercise in a pool. All right. And I'm synchronised swimming in it at the moment. <laughs> I've no balance whatsoever. <laughs> but the crack we have inside... It's not synchronised the times, I'd imagine. Oh, mere to me now. You have no idea the fun we have in our, our instructor above there, Liam. He is a diamond to have as your instructor. Yeah. We have our volunteers. We have two volunteers with us doing it every week. And it's a block session. So you can go in. You can take it at your own level. But it's literally doing squats and exercises in a pool, which helps strengthen your body that needs it. Yeah. Water. Best therapy in the world. Yeah. Then I use Recovery Haven for reflexology. Up there, I have I have registered with the girls for online training because I was always working. I was so for me to be out of work was a massive thing. Yeah. So keep my head functioning. Yeah. Then, as I said, they linked me in with Aline in Listol that would specialise in fitting of brass and all of that. Yeah. The wigs are also there, as to say. Even though my own daughter does mine for me because she's a hairdresser. Oh, but what's your daughter's name? Tracy Grimes. Tracy, yeah. But, um, like that. And do you yeah. know what strikes me is, you know, when you get a diagnosis, I'd imagine the rug is pulled out from under you, you lose all control. But this sounds like you're taking control back. Oh, I always said it was never going to define me. Yeah. I was going to beat it, no matter, and it, it keeps throwing stuff at me. But the more it throws at me, the more I throw it back at it. So, like that, I registered to do the 100k in 30 days for the Mary Keating Foundation. And, just my, I find that it's not for everybody to be able to get up out of bed and put on their shoes and go for a walk. But if you just get out of bed, change your pyjamas and sit in the garden, just listen to the birds, listen to nature, because like that, it will heal you. Yeah. It will heal you and your darker state, nature will heal you. And that's why I look at Siobhan and all the lads above in recovery and haven and say, the wrong kind of nature going on up there. Yeah, Teresa, if I'm ever training for a marathon, I'm going to get you to train me because I'd <laughs> oh, say, geez, I'd, have, I'd have no problems. <laughs> I'd say, um, I mentioned it's a lovely title, Volunteer Listener. Una Sheehy, what is a volunteer listener? Now, you've just listened to Teresa. Yeah. Now, who wouldn't want to be part of Teresa's life? Yeah. Yeah. Because meeting people like Teresa gives me so much pleasure and so much happiness every day that I go to Recovery Haven. I retired in 2015 mm. and I had a very good friend who was a, a, a volunteer listener and a fundraising, or she was on the fundraising committee in Recovery Haven. And she put me in touch with Recovery Haven to start with. And I got the application form, but at the time the training, the listening um, training service hadn't, the, the training program was in the autumn so I got involved with the fundraisers at that time and we had such crack we had absolutely we met so many beautiful people when you'd be out shaking buckets or whatever you were doing um, and then when we did the training for the listening it has just been a phenomenal experience I've loved every single minute and every Wednesday I meet people like Teresa because we go to the hydrotherapy pool up in the MUT we have a beautiful as she said a beautiful trainer called Liam and he puts us through our paces, but we have an amazing, amazing time. Yeah. The role of, of a listener is very important, I'd imagine, non-judgmental and just Absolutely. being there. Absolutely. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And just even making a cup of tea for somebody. I mean, pre-COVID, we had this lovely setup where we, everyone came in, got a china cup and a china plate, and we brought in a tray, and we would sit and listen to people with, with a, a, a lovely little, set, little room that we had. Now, of course, when COVID came, things changed very much. Um, but even during COVID, we would phone people every week. We would keep in touch with people. Um, you know, we never let... The, 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 we never let the break happen for for the, for the uh, from the the um, the people using our service, and it's just a pleasure every day to be there. Absolutely, every day. Yeah, it's so well articulated by you and um, the the role you do. Um, it's even more. I thought the title was nice, but what's behind the title is is, is amazing altogether. Um, uh, yeah. Joe, may I say, like yeah. last year, even though there was a bit of opening and closing with the pandemic and things, we had over 60 volunteers giving over 2,338 hours, oh. um, which is such a massive contribution. We couldn't pay for all those hours. And from the garden to the listeners to the fundraisers, it's volunteerism is the lifeblood blood of recovery. Yeah, and, and in the autumn, are you trying to recruit more? In, in yeah. the autumn time, we'll be back into our new building so yeah. we'll need more volunteers for, for the centre so we will be recruiting um, and hopefully we'll be doing a volunteer training in September Very good. Una, I suppose the importance of volunteerism, it is important and you'd be encouraging people I'd imagine Absolutely. to get involved. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean people say you know, you give so much but actually you get, you get back twice as much what you give yeah, it's just such a pleasure to be there every day. I say, my, in two thousand and eighty nine, my own father died from lung cancer, so that was my first experience of people with cancer. Um, I just absolutely love every hour I spend out there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, just such a pleasure. Yeah, Teresa, you've made a few friends, I'd imagine, because you're nodding away there. Oh, you've no idea the social side of the social yeah. side of recovery haven. Uh, going to sessions, going to, I mean, they have a beautiful therapist above there that does reflexology. Ah, sure, here and now. I'm telling you, I'm looking forward to getting together when all this funniness ends and having a nice garden party and maybe a barbecue when it's all done. Uh, well, we have the weather first. Yeah. <laughs> <The weather. laughs> uh, Teresa, we wish you all the best. Thank you very much. Yeah, and like I said, I'll be on too if I'm getting ready for that marathon. Maybe the park one, they'll do just uh, fine. Well, I suppose, yeah, I might start a bit slower. <laughs> we'll start a bit slower. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Siobhan McSweeney, thanks a million for coming in and also Una Sheehy and best of luck with everything going forward. Thank Joe, thanks so much. Now we're going to go to a break and after that we'll be speaking to another charity from the Radio Kerry Charity Bingo. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly Hogan's Funeral Home Tralee Kerry Radio Kerry Charity Bingo has raised €251,420 for its four Kerry Charity beneficiaries, Kerry Cancer Support Group, Recovery Haven, Kerry Cancer Support House and Comfort for Chemo, Kerry, and also Kerry Hospice. And that's who we're going to talk about now. But before I do that, you're an inspiration, Teresa Grimes. Best wishes to you, love, Kieran, Marcella and Dara. And that was for Teresa, who was on just before the break. And I'm delighted to say from Kerry Hospice Foundation, joined by Chairman of the Fundraising, committee we have Jack Shannon Jack you're very welcome how are you? Uh, thank you very much Joe I'm absolutely great and good morning to everybody and all the listeners and tell us what does the Radio Kerry charity bingo mean to ye and uh, in the Kerry Hospice Foundation? 
But do you know what? It actually means an awful lot to us. Uh, it, it's money we wouldn't have had. And uh, we're like all the other charities you were talking to this morning. We have a constant need to fundraise. Uh, we, uh, we're utterly voluntary. And because of that, uh, the, and I suppose the big problem we've faced in, in recent times is, you know, we've, we've gotten very little support from the state. And it really means that all, all the money that's, you know, we have to raise a lot of money in Kerry to keep the, the system going. And to give you an example, last year now, we actually paid out nearly 900 50,000. All that money was raised here in Kerry, every single cent of it, uh, not a cent from the government. So it was, uh, you know... Talking nearly a million euros. Nearly a million euros, yeah. It's it's huge money, you know, and people don't realise the level of fundraising that has to be done to meet that, you know, and, you know, that's part of what what we do. Yeah, very good. So, like you said, you're always trying to fundraise and there's always the the, the next project. What have have you been up to and what what is the, the future plans? Well, I suppose what we've been up to, we, we've been on the go now for almost 33 years, which is a, a long time. And the, uh, you know, and because of that, you know, we, we've had a lot of kind of, I suppose we, we, we have to make sure we have continuity and continuity of care. Uh, fundamentally, what we're about is a professionally, a professional consultant-led service. So that's what, that's what we have. So we've two palliative care consultants in, 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 in Kerry, and uh, they basically lead the teams of nurses, pharmacists, psychologists, physiotherapists, occupational therapists, a whole range of support teams and they're all professionals that are doing their professional jobs and our job is to support them and how we've done that up to to date is um, we've built two units in Trilly itself. We've built an outpatient unit, which is the, our first first big project, and then we built the inpatient unit, which opened a little over five years ago. And it's the inpatient unit, I suppose, is, is the one that is probably the most high profile for a lot of people. It's what people see. And, uh, you know, at any given time, you, you'll probably have 40 to 50 people going through that unit in, in a month. So it's, it's a lot of people coming in contact with the service. And I suppose it's worth bearing in mind, uh, you know, while we're called Kerry Hospice, we really are you know, it's palliative care is is, is, is the, the agenda that we have and um, you know when we built that unit with 15 beds, the idea was that you know, you've kind of one bed approximately for every 10,000 people in the county and we thought that would be enough but unfortunately it isn't and it hasn't been. And uh, so we're, we're now at the stage where we're actively planning to put on an extra five bids, which will mean building work and obviously fundraising to try and do that. And everybody knows the cost of building nowadays. And when you're building on a HSE plot, it even costs more because there's so much extra due diligence and uh, all, all that goes red with it. Red tape and all oh, that. Oh, there's yeah. an phenomenal amount of red tape. And uh, You know, one of the things that any of the charities will tell you is, you know, you, you could spend weeks every year just filling out paperwork, you know, to keep the charities regulator the you know, and everything else uh, off your back. It's, it's, it's extraordinary, just the, the level of paperwork we get buried in. Mm. Um, yourself, how did you get involved? You know, I got like a lot of people. The I suppose there's a little story behind me, really, in one sense that uh, the I, my day job is pharmacy, mm. and um, many years ago I was um, I, I was involved in the care of of a, a young fellow and who shall remain nameless. Mm. And uh, I used to meet him fairly regularly. I used to be involved in kind of pharmacy politics, and I used to go up and down to Dublin quite a lot. And I used to meet meet, meet him and his family going up and down to Dublin on the train, going up to Crumlin, and uh, sadly he passed 
passed away and at the time uh, I suppose I, you became aware of the limits of the services for well in that case it was for children but you know so it was always something that kind of sat very uneasily with me is what happened so when I suppose when Kerry Hospice started off and, and suddenly we began to realise that there was you know there was an opportunity to change things and to change services you know I said to throw my hat in and that's 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 where, where it started really mm. and so I've been at it for over 25 years now at this stage Well, yeah uh, and we mentioned earlier I suppose you know you give a lot but there's a there's a reward I'd imagine in it as well is there? Being well there is you know I, you know in the end of the day it's a community service it really is and it, a part of it is just the people you meet you know whether it's volunteers or people that have come in contact with the service I mean there isn't a day of the week that you don't meet somebody that says you know my brother my sister my mother my, you know some relative you know passed away and, and, and you know in contact with the service and you know they're really grateful for what they've done and that's part of, you know, it's a big part of how our fundraising works, is people that are grateful for the service they got, you know, and that they, they want to give something back. And that's obviously what we want too, is, you know, because I say, unfortunately, you know, what should be a government service is not, mm. you know, and, and we're out there just, just you know, tapping the buckets all the time. Even today now, we've Sunflower Day. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's go, go, go all the time. And Sunflower Day, what does that entail? You'll be selling the fun, sunflowers Literally, around the county today? Yeah, absolutely. We, we yesterday and today. Now, yeah. some places only did it yesterday and uh, some places yesterday and today. But literally, it, it's, uh, you know, you'll find people outside every supermarket uh, pretty much around the county and they will be, uh, you know, they, they'll be looking for contributions and people are extraordinarily generous in Castle Island we had it yesterday and the money just flowed in and uh, so it's, it's, it's phenomenal you know we're, we're delighted with people yeah um, you know you in your day job as you said as a pharmacist you're dealing with people like um, Lisa and Teresa every day I'd imagine um, so the importance of the four charities we're talking about uh, today and the fundraising like the Radio Carry Bingo and other fundraising initiatives like you mentioned in Sunflower they're vital they're huge. They're huge, you know, and and, and, and it isn't that people don't realise it as well, you know, and it, it's one of the things that, that's out there, you know, as I mean, you know, I mean, we, the four charities that are here today, you know, are absolutely indebted to Radio Kerry and to the listeners of Radio Kerry and the people that play bingo, uh, you know, and, and support us. The, you know, it's, that, that's what it's all about is, you know, this is a community service for the community, embedded in the community, and, and that's what we're about, you know, and, and, and long may it continue. Jack, we wish you the best of luck and uh, well done and all the work you do. Thanks a million, Joe. Thanks indeed. And now you know when you're playing your radio carrier bingo what it goes uh, to. And uh, best of luck to everyone that gets involved in it as well. But um, there is a great benefit to those four charities. €251,420 raised in the last number of years. Now, so we're into the second hour of the Saturday Supplement and I hope you're enjoying the programme so far. Now it's time for another episode of A Bloss of Kerry where we look at family food businesses that are represented in in this county and uh, now we're going to focus on a well-known family business this is O'Sullivan's family bakery in Clorglan and I suppose you all know the famous red wrapper of O'Sullivan's family bakery well I went along to Clorglan and I met with Helen O'Sullivan of the bakery so have a listen to this this radio series is a Maureen Nivahuna production funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with a television licence fee this is Bloss of Kerry, a unique eight-part series where we provide an insight into the amazing variety of family food businesses represented in Kerry. Some of the most ancient of these trades goes back centuries, 
and in many of the family businesses we will profile are handed down from generation to generation. Our series aims to reveal the magnificent story and history associated with traditional family food businesses in Kerry. In this episode, we hear from O'Sullivan's family bakery in Killorglan. In 1952, Tom O'Sullivan and his family started a much-loved tradition, creating fresh bread and barn bracks for the local area. Passed down through generations of O'Sullivan bakers, their love for bread and bracks has continued through to today, and their breads in the red wrapper are synonymous with Killorglan and its surrounding communities. Helen O'Sullivan is the third generation to run the family business. Helen O'Sullivan from O'Sullivan's Bakery in Kilorglan. Well, I suppose we've always been known as the um, bread in the red wrapper. So, like our best seller is always the white and brown sliced, the barn bracks. We have a spelt bread range. Um, so there's a white brown and a honey seeded. The multi seed is a lovely low GI bread. Um, so does wholemeal. Seed and butter loaves. Um, the butter loaf is probably my favourite. Uh, we only bake it once a week, but it's definitely... Um, a Moorish product and the Kerry Brack like we've won numerous awards for that that's always been a good seller and it's just a good solid product uh, we're in the production um, section of the bakery at the moment so um, our head baker is just weighing up at the moment you can see a screen over there and it actually has the recipe on it so all our all the batch information for the raw materials is there so he's weighing it out and that kind of helps towards the quality control and it also helps towards traceability. Uh, he's just preparing bowls at the moment. So we actually start production generally between 5 and 6 p.m. most evenings. So our bakers start coming in because we have to have... The first van leaves the bakery around 20 to 4. So um, if you work backwards, you have to have the bread cooled before it can be wrapped. So then, you know, just the length of time that it takes... So, um, yeah, so we're here at the moment. So we have different machines, like he's weighing up. He's doing bricks at the moment, I think. Right, so we have a big mixing bowl. So it's pretty much the same as what you'd have at home. It's just that it can hold, we'll say, 65. If this was a white bowl of white bread, it could hold 65 kgs, of, which would make about 110 loaves of bread each. So this is bricks at the moment anyway. I'd say he hasn't added in the fruit yet. Yeah, so tonight now is Brack night. So Wednesdays we do the farm Brack and the Kerry Brack. So this is the Kerry Brack mix. The process of making the bread begins with weighing out the ingredients. So like, so you're weighing, then you're adding your water and you're going to be mixing your ingredients. You then start dividing it out. So you, the dough divider. So like we've got different machines, like you can see them all around here at the moment. But um, we've... Um, once you start dividing up the dough, you put it into each of the individual loaves and then into each of the individual tins. And then if you kind of travel down through the bakery, so you have your provers. So like all the bread, except for the soda bread, um, goes into the prover. So the prover is where the yeast is activated. Now, like it would take about an hour, I suppose, for it to kind of come down here. The yeast then, so generally a white slice pan, say, would be there for at 38 degrees for about 38 minutes. Once it's proved properly, then we have uh, three ovens. So they're all, um, each oven can hold 240 loaves of bread. So the bread, again, we'll say a white slice pan, would be in the oven for about 40 minutes as well. The temperature would probably be about 270 degrees. So once it's baked, you then have to cool it. So depending on the time and what we need to kind of get done, 
we have three cooling tunnels. So the bread is transferred directly onto trolleys and it can be placed in the cooling tunnels until it's ready to be wrapped and sliced. So this is the packaging room, we'll say. So we have two fellas that come in here about 11 p.m. each night. So they start organizing the bread for each of the runs. Um, we have um, at least five of our own vans that go out. We have a distributor that calls here and then we deliver to a distributor inside in Tralee as well. So three people then feed from that. But we have three different machines. Each of them as such do the same thing. So they all, the bread goes in on the top and it comes out wrapped. Um, sorry, it's sliced or whatever. So um, like this machine was actually, is as old as the bakery is. It's uh, 1952. These two machines, they're amazing. Um, uh, we can still, thankfully, we can still get the parts. They're running well at the moment, but they don't make them like they used to. So they're actually both celebrated their birthdays last year. They actually have the plates on it to prove that as well. So then we have the slicer beggar. So um, kind of all the packaging is better. We'll say over the years, we've kind of changed things. Like with the beggar, uh, you can reseal the loaf yourself, you know, and it just kind of helps it keeping it fresher for longer and things like that. And same with the two wax machines. We used to have polypropylene, but they're both wax ends now. So they're easier to open and reseal. Yeah. This then is the loading bay. So each of the mornings, like, so we have a few, uh, three or four of the vans park in the bakery at night. And um, so the slicers, the guys that should be doing the packaging, they can start loading the vans or they organize it so that when the driver comes in in the morning, that he can just kind of go to his van, put in his bread and off he goes. So they generally drive in one door, out the other door. And um, yeah, like I said earlier, the first van leaves the bakery at 20 to four. O'Sullivan Bakery was established in 1952. So how did it come about? Uh, my grandfather started it. Uh, my grandparents, I suppose, Tom and Margaret O'Sullivan. So uh, my grandfather, before he started the bakery, he was actually um, the manager of the what now is the Bianconi Inn. So uh, all his family, like dad and them, would have been born in the Bianconi. Uh, that was sold and the bank approached Grenda, would he manage a local bakery? So he saw that there was basically money to be made. So he started it off in April 1952. We've kind of letters that would be, I suppose, from February, March, April, um, dating back to then, look, looking for different pieces, uh, like an oven being built and whatever. We have the old receipts from the different local businesses as well, actually, that they would have um, used to kind of source the stuff. So he bought his own house after he left the Bianconi and out the back, the kind of garage or shed would have been converted into the bakery. So that was in April 1952 and it kind of took off from there. So dad would have, they all, all each of the family members, I suppose there was four siblings, they all would have worked there at different stages. Like my aunt is known, was known as Mary Slice because she used to slice bread. Um, so yeah, dad went to bakery college um, in England, in London, the Polytechnic. So he learned the bakery trade there. And when he came back, then he kind of, you know, would have been working there. So my grandfather was always known as the baker that never baked. He had two bakers, two local bakers, uh, Tom O'Brien and McMahon. But it was the two of them and Grenda. Grenda used to deliver the bread. And uh, then it kind of grew, I suppose, exponentially, like over the years. Um, so, yeah, actually, it's funny because O'Donnell's Bakery 
also established themselves in 1952, just after us. And I think they were the first to go down to South Kerry um, delivering bread. So I think um, that was their claim to fame as well, actually. Josie was telling me that lately. Um, so where, they, where are O'Donnell's located? O'Donnell's were, yeah. O'Donnell's were um, located just beside the church there. But um, I did a bit of research before and there was an article in the Kerry's Eye, in the Kerry Man, and it had that um, Kilorgan can boast that there is, uh, there's a bakery for each side of the town. Helen's grandparents started delivering to the local market in Kilorgan first. It would have been just the Kilorgan surrounding area. Yeah, I found um, a journal. I actually have a book upstairs as well that has it. But they would have slowly, like Beaufort, Glencar, and then they would have slowly gone down to Carisavina and that as well. Um, Dad was telling me a story that himself and Uncle Johnny had recycling the Ring of Kerry. And Dad put his bike, he'd go delivering with Grenda. So he put his bike on the train and Uncle Johnny cycled down and they met, he met the train and got his bike off and they cycled the ring um, of Kerry that night. I think he came into Kilorglan the following day, I think at like 12 o'clock at night or something like that. But yeah. And how did they deliver that time in your, say, in your grandparents' time? Was it like, it, there wasn't, was there vans? There was, maybe? Um, yeah, I think we had an Austin Martin van. Um, but the bread used to go across on the ferry as well to Valencia um, or they'd go on the boat I think across um, like the different um, shops in Knightstown I still have receipts of the dozens of breads that used to go over and I think it was on the ferry yeah they used to go, go across on the ferry so As time went on the business was handed on to the next generation and Helen's father Garraud took over um, Well I suppose dad was more of a baker but um even when dad kind of took it over I suppose it just it would have kept on kind of growing I suppose over the years uh, just a natural progression more than anything really um, my grandfather worked, would have worked in the bakery until he was 80 like I'd have huge memories of him I suppose it was probably hard to get him out of the place <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you would have always seen my grandfather down in the bakery, like the the girls that worked in the office, Catherine Coffey and that at the time, and they would have be, he would have been in the bakery every day as well. Um, Dad comes up here every day as well, whether it's just for a chat or whatever. But he still has his jobs to do, and it keeps him keeps the mind active, I suppose. And you know, it's his baby, I suppose. And and, and, and in his time, was he around Kerry distributing around Kerry? Um, yeah, we would have always kind of distributed around Kerry. I suppose we didn't, In it was the early 1980s that we moved into the Killarney area through a distributor, Con Murphy. Um, but I suppose our base would have been mid in South Kerry, really. Um, just like in the last number of years, we took over O'Shea's Bakery. When O'Shea's Bakery closed, we actually started baking their bread when they closed the factory in Milton. So we're in our own name it's only since 2019 that we are actually delivering O'Sullivan's bread to the Dingle Peninsula The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly Hogan's Funeral Home Tralee You're listening to an episode of Bloss of Kerry where we provide an insight into the amazing variety of family food businesses represented in Kerry in this episode, we hear from O'Sullivan's family bakery in Clorglen. Helen O'Sullivan is the third generation to run the family business. Uh, we all would have worked. Um, there are six of us, uh, myself and five siblings, so we all would have worked in the bakery. And I suppose I always had an interest in it. Uh, like, when I was nine, I used to cycle downtown um, from my home to the bakery at 4.30 in the morning. 
and I would have it would it was before the times of the cuisine de France, so we would have been busy with baps and rolls, and we would have been servicing a lot of the hotels down in Carsvina and Waterville. And uh, I used to that was my job three days a week bagging the baps and rolls, and I used to help with the packaging. Once I was old enough to understand office and Excel and computers and that, I suppose I started working in the office. Um, so I would have done that like all through my teens. And just, uh, I had an interest in business and there was a course in UCC. Uh, so it was food business and it was just a kind of a natural step I suppose to take. Um, I suppose when I started off with the course, I would have been more interested in the business side of it. But I have to say, I enjoy the nutrition and, you know, the different science subjects behind it. So it was a good course and it was a perfect base for me. Um, I've done like different stuff since, but um, yeah, I joined full time in 99. You mentioned the grandfather hanging around, your father hanging around. And they mentioned like, you know, when you hear about Man United, oh, Alex Ferguson kind of being there. Do you feel that shadow or is it a help or what, what way does that work? You know, when you're taking on oh, yeah. to take it on to the next stage? Uh, well, I suppose... Um I do and I don't. If I want something to change, I do always ask Dad, first of all. Now it might, I would plant the seed for a while and then eventually he'll agree. Um, we get on really well, which is good, you know. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I suppose with the awards and different things that we've won over the years, I suppose I'm glad that the bakery's still around because family progression is a huge thing and it's a big worry for a lot of different places, you know, and, like, we see businesses closing down you know, like one of our customers in Killarney Healy's shop there. Um, like, that was that's amazing. It's 100 years old. Uh, I hope that the bakery's around, but I suppose times are changing. You know, the girls see the work that is involved in it. You know, it's not easy running a business at the moment. I suppose everything is a challenge. Um, but hopefully they won't see it as a burden. You know. Who are the girls? Oh, yeah. So myself and I have three girls, Emery, Neve and Orla. So they're 8, 10 and 13. Um, so, yeah. And would you put, I don't want to say pressure, but would, you, would there be expectancy that they would carry on the business? Uh, I always thought, like I was told, um, my oldest, that she was a great leader. And I said, oh, it'd be great, you know, to take over the bakery. And she asked me one day about the president of Ireland, does he have holidays? And I kind of started laughing. I said, In my head, I thought she might be right for the bakery. But she's bigger fish to fry, I think. Um, my youngest one is tough nut. I'd say she would be well able. She's um, just the way she sees the world. She's only eight, but she's just different, I think, yeah. Uh, like my husband has his own business as well. So the girls are surrounded by it. Um, they know everyone. They've been here since they're five weeks old. Uh, when you're self-employed, you don't get maternity leave. Orla was in the van with me. She had to go and get her BCG in Castle Island. I had to get a van serviced. So dropped the van to her hands, walked up through town, got her BCG, had lunch, hopped into the van and home again. So um, I suppose anyone that comes in here, they kind of, they can be surprised because they could find anything inside her. Like um, when the girls, once I started having children, I always knew it wasn't going to be easy. But I think it's mind over matter too. Um, I just kind of got on with things. And I think it's good for the girls. Um, they see what you are capable of doing. They're all very good organisers and they're all very good at multitasking. But they've been, it's been kind of read into them too. Helen still has the old record book or journal that her grandfather would have kept when he started out in the early 1950s. 
So this is deliveries actually from 1955, so April 1st. So it's Bunglasha National School. So they got a half a dozen slice pens. Um, on the 18th, two and a half dozen on the 22nd. So it's just each, you know, beautiful handwriting. Mm. Um, so if you go through, that's all Bunglasha. So you've got Walsh's in Valencia Island on the 5th of the December 1952. Is it important to hold on to memorabilia like this for you? I think so. Everything is going to be digital down the line. I like seeing old photos. You know, I'd love if people that did have, you know, old photos kind of shared it with us or whatever. But uh, we love getting handwritten letters as well. Um, we often, like, would get, we'll say, when we started delivering into Tralee, we got a lovely letter penned to the bakery just thanking us for the products and that it reminded them of their youth or whatever. So, yeah, I do think it's important. You know, handwriting isn't the same as what it used to be. Like every business operating in Kerry at the moment, there are many challenges to overcome. So what are the challenges for O'Sullivan's Bakery? Um, well, everything is a challenge, really, at the moment. Um, the rising costs, energy costs, um, I suppose, the pressure to um, become energy more efficient, just um, the pressure from competitors. Like, you know, in Kerry, we had an awful lot of bakeries. We're down to two, you know, over the last few years. Three, four have closed. So... Um, just, I suppose, if, I suppose each family is under pressure themselves financially. We rely on Kerry and local support to keep us alive. You know, I suppose we would be labour intensive. Um, like we'd have six bakers in each night. You've got six vans on the road. You've got the two lads in slicing. Then you've got your office and everything else. So, like, nothing is a nice people it's harder and harder to find people to fill fill a role as well um, and I suppose it's not that you can just slot into a role there's a lot of training involved you know people think that you hop into the van it's easy deliver a few loaves of bread but there's a lot to each aspect of the job and without each you know section like the bakers can't function without the orders the orders don't come in if stock isn't correct or you know everything is just Challenging, I suppose, really. But it's a good employer in Clorglen, isn't it? Yeah, we would. Like, Clorglen is very lucky with the um, employ, you know, the big um, employers that we have at the moment, like, you know, even the big supermarkets. But you've got Boyles, you've got Fexco, uh, Estellas, and Temler. Like, Clorglen is great. But yeah, we would have, like, we've 25 um, at the moment in the bakery. And I suppose we've always had it. We've been consistent. You know, I suppose we've grown, like, progressively each year or whatever so um, yeah we have plans to change a few things and add a few um, new products and things like that coming through over the next few months hopefully so yeah we just we'll continue to grow and see how it goes What does it mean to yourself personally to be involved in such a business I'd imagine just talking to all the food businesses they get a great kick when they see their brand inside in a shop or someone buying it or something like that. Does that do you still get that I know you're immersed in it so long but yeah, I do. I like I do um smile when I see it in a um in a basket or in a trolley. When my daughter was young, she grabbed it out of somebody's trolley. She said, "Mom, she's taking our bread." And we just started laughing like. <laughs> 
but um, and like they, each of the girls actually if we go to a shop they'd always fix the label so that it's standing right or whatever you know and they bring the stock to the front or whatever but uh, no I definitely do and there is a sense of pride you know it is seen as a good quality product and sure you can't not be proud of that and what are Helen's hopes for the future of the bakery? Um, I suppose we bake at night. I would like um, to change a few products, add a few. Um, I suppose the bakery is idle a lot of the day. So if I introduced a second bake during the day for different products that we want to kind of do, um, just small plans, like nothing major, but um, I suppose continue to grow like I would I suppose we all want to have a national product um, I'm not sure everyone thinks of thinks as much of a barn brack as we do in Kerry but um, I think that would probably be something that I would like um, for the Kerry brack to be known nationally There's still that family involvement as well isn't there? Oh yeah absolutely um, my brother works with me actually as well but like we're very much like my mother dad they come up each day whether it's for a cup of coffee or a chat uh the girls know all the lads that work in the bakery um we all know each other we're kind of i suppose like regardless of where you're working you have a work family you have a sports family you have you know everyone outside your own family so i suppose we all kind of see each other as a kind of a big work family not that they might like that but um but no the girls as well at home like they would take pride in the different aspects of the bakery and that yeah. Yeah, that was another episode of A Bloss of Kerry with O'Sullivan's Bakery in Clorglan. And thanks a million to Helen there. And we wish them all the best of luck in the future. Now we're going to take a break. And after that, we're going to have our Kerry County Council, Creative Kingdom. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly. Hogan's Funeral Home, Tralee. Now it is the second Saturday of the month so that means it's time for our Kerry County Council Creative Kingdom where we let you know what's going on around this wonderful county of ours. Very soon we'll be talking about traveller, uh, an upcoming Traveller Pride event that's taking place in this county. We'll be talking to Bridget Culligan and we'll also be talking to actor, dancer, singer Jade O'Connor but first as always I'm delighted to say we're joined by Arts Officer with Kerry County Council, Kate Kennelly. Kate how are you? Very well. Good morning, Joe, and good morning to all your listeners. And just to say a happy Krununanog to everyone, even if you're like myself and if you're well over 18, happy Krununanog. <laughs> so we have a super program on today, Joe, and all the details are on our website, which is arts.kerrycoco.ie, or on our social media, which is at kerrycoarts on Facebook and Twitter. And the events are underway, Joe, since early this morning at nine o'clock but um, I know we're heading into the, the later afternoon now but there's plenty on for everyone so do go out and enjoy mm. and it's been a busy um, month so far hasn't it and I suppose the fine weather has helped with all those, those wonderful events that took place as well it has Joe I was back at Writers Week um, I went to around three events back there it was absolutely fantastic uh, great buzz great atmosphere 
loads of writers. It's lovely when you're banging into people on the street who are poets and they're they're writing short stories. And the amount of people that came to Listowel specifically for Writers Week, and it was just the atmosphere was magic, which was lovely to see. And also K Fest in Kilorgan, and again meeting the artists um, at their exhibitions and the number of artists who were saying how delighted they were and how honoured they were to be selected to be part of K Fest. Um, you know, we have such good quality arts festivals in the county, Joe. I think sometimes we forget that nationally they are viewed as some of the top festivals in, in the country. So just to say well done to everyone at both Listowel Writers Week and K-Fest and all they delivered because we certainly had a ball and I banged into so many people who were saying, you know, delighted to be here and found it really entertaining and interesting. So um, well done to everyone involved. Yeah, that's so important to say because uh, sometimes you take them for granted, but they are on a national level and international level in some cases, which is, is, is absolutely brilliant and we should be very... Proud of that. And speaking about pride, I'm delighted to say now we're joined by Bridget Quilligan, who's the project manager with Kerry Travellers Health and Community Development Project. And Bridget, you're on to tell us about an upcoming Traveller Pride event. Tell us what's going on. I am. We've a great celebration planned. And I'd just like to say good morning to you, Joe, and to all your listeners, and especially my mother, who I know listens religiously. (laughs) What's your mother's name? Margaret Quilligan. Hello, Margaret. How are you? Or what do you call her? Mag. Mag. Okay, Mag. How are you doing, Mag? So, thanks, Joe. So, we have Traveller Pride. Uh, we're going to be celebrating it nationally, I suppose, from the 3rd to the 14th of July. But then we have our own local Pride here in Kerry for, um, happening with two events, one on the 6th of July, which is in the Isle of Geese in Chile. And it's a big cultural celebration um, to celebrate our traveller identity, our history, our culture. And we'll have a living uh, history exhibition. We'll have a wagon. We'll have a demonstration on tinsmithing, bread making. We'll have a beady pocket, which is a, a cultural embolism from travellers, uh, for traveller women. We'll have an exhibition there for that. We will have storytelling. We will have uh, also a celebration of traveller changemakers. So we're asking travellers around the, con- the county to nominate people they feel particularly people over the age of 70 who have created a, a great, contributed to a great deal of change in our lives and in the county. So we'll be calling out a little bit sooner on our Facebook page for that. Excellent. What's a beady pocket, Bridget, before you go on? What's, what, what's a beady it's pocket? A, a little apron that traveller women used to wear, probably my grandmother's time really, where they would collect a button from each area or somebody coming from a strange county might bring them a button, their sister or their cousin or their friend. Or a strange piece of material and that was their fancy way if they were going to puck or if they were going anywhere nice they'd have a more fancier one or for every day they'd have a plain one and they'd hold every kind of thing inside in the pocket their money their babies items whatever they needed for the day yeah but that's that, that that could tell a story each one of them i'd imagine could tell a story yeah, they can and we have yeah. some beautiful ones and we have women from all over the county making them um in different towns for the next i suppose four weeks Whoa. so they're there. Excellent. So what else is going on? Joe, we have a lovely um, mass being organised by a man from Killarney called Richard O'Brien and that's going to happen in the cathedral in Killarney. It's a second um, annual mass and it's basically a blessing for travellers but everybody's welcome and just to say everybody's welcome to the Traveller Pride event as well. It's an opportunity to know more about travellers, to know more about cultures and we'll have a photographer there as well. If people want to take photos with the wagon or 
listen to storytelling and have family family photos there so it's a great opportunity really for people to get to know a little bit more about their neighbours their friends and for more for travellers as well to know about our own culture yeah that sounds amazing so what day is it on again and where can people go for more information the 6th of July in the Isle of Geese in Tralee and it's on from 10am to uh, 3.30 but I'd just like to thank Kerry County Council Arts Department for all their support in making this happen and supporting us I suppose with our vision to celebrate our tribal identity in the county now You're very Excellent. good Bridget, Bridget. Joe, I just want to say yeah. I was up in Galway a few weeks ago at work at an arts festivals conference with the Arts Council, but there was a lovely lady presenting about the Mishlore Festival, and that was the first place I came across the beady pocket, and they're absolutely beautiful. Like that, you've these handmade, individually crafted pieces, and they're so pretty to look at. Um, so certainly it'll be worth going down on the day and having a, a look at that. Um, would they be for sale now, Bridget, or is it just uh, workshops? workshops at the moment and just showing them off but it could be something down the line maybe a social enterprise who knows Kate where what might come out of art and what might but I love the way the artists in you describe them compared to the way I describe them not at all (laughs) (laughs) I just love the idea that you know each of them can tell their own story because like you said they could be picked up the buttons can be picked up from all over the county and there's obviously a story behind that as well it's just something very special and I'd imagine Bridget it's handed down from generation to generation as well The, the, the making of it, but also maybe the, the, the piece itself. It's a, a magnificent intergenerational piece of work happening at the moment because we have people in their 80s teaching the likes of me who never wore a beady pocket or never made a beady pocket how to make it, how to, you know, what the, the meaning of them was. So it's absolutely fantastic. And then yeah. we have younger girls involved in it as well. So it's mainly a female initiative. Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. Bridget, thanks a million for coming on and telling us all about that. Now it's time to talk to actor, dancer and singer Jade O'Connor. Jade, how are you? Great, Joe. Nice to be here. <laughs> so tell us, what have you been up to and what are you up to? Well, currently I am talking to you from the Solstice Arts Centre in Evan, so very far away from Kerry. Um, I'm an associate artist here with my theatre company Femme Bazaar and we're in the middle of making a new piece of work. Uh, I can't disclose the name yet uh, but we hope uh, by the end of the summer and we'll be bringing it to Paris to the cultural centre Irlandes there uh, in the centre of Paris so it's very exciting. And just to um, hark back to what Kate was saying about K-Fest, I was there all weekend, it's an amazing amazing festival. Um, and because she touched on the arts and the galleries and all that, I won't. What I will say is there was amazing storytelling going on. Uh, one story told by my mother, Carol O'Connor, who um, told a fantastic story about her uh, time in London as part of the London Calling on Sunday. And the storytelling on um, Saturday evening, which was the Story Slam, was just so gorgeous and there are new events that are in KFEST trying to introduce more uh, theatre and drama into the um, festival so it was gorgeous, a brilliant stand-up comedy gig, uh, outstanding music as always and of course all the incredible galleries and being able to go into the buildings was superb um, I also work loads in Kerry Joe because I love yeah. it if I could build a bridge from Dublin to Kerry I would um, and I work a lot actually in collaboration with Catherine Young who I have for the last 10 years I'm a singer and writer and regular collaborator with the company and of course she is the dancer in residence there um, in Kerry 
uh, supported by the Kerry County Council and the Arts Council. So it's an incredible program, uh, one that I've definitely benefited, benefited from and has given me many platforms to go on and work with the likes of Broken Talkers and this is Pop Baby who um, I've just done a shop show with called Wake. Um, actually, the sound design is done by a Kerry woman, Alma Kelleher. Uh, everything links back to Kerry, actually. I was just working yeah. with her on a new piece that I'm making called Dance Hall Days, um, which we were on residency for in Shimsa there. So uh, always coming back. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, we were yeah. talking about Crinoo Nanog. How did you find it as a young person growing up here in Kerry um, in the line of developing uh, you as an artist that you are today? Well, I think it's a brilliant program because it, it introduces uh, kids from all over the county to each other, first of all, and then introduces them to um, art schemes that they might not be necessarily um, involved in, maybe because they're too rural or uh, they're, yeah, it's just not available to them because they're 30 miles outside Tralee or they're whatever they are. Uh, I worked on a project for Kununanog um, during COVID, actually, and it was, a re it was a great success because, of course, people were isolated, but we did a creative movement pro pro um, program with them and each individual child made a small uh, dance phrase and we blended it all together to make a video. So even in that time, it was still going. So yeah, I think it's a really strong program. Um, I'm delighted to see it continually rolled out. Um, and of course, it's while it's brilliant for kids, it's also excellent for artists because um, they're able to uh, make and um, I suppose display their own work using children as well so it's 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 super duper yeah it's it's a great thing to have in the county or in the country mm. actually yeah 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 it's true and and yourself yeah. what are your what are your hopes for the future i know you're busy at the moment and you're being very secretive i thought you might tell us well what this wonderful uh, yeah. event is coming up i can't but, talk uh, about the, what are your the, hopes the, the, the project i'm doing right now but i can say yeah. that i was just doing a gig on the friday night of k-fest um and i'll be releasing a single on the 30th of june um, I have a couple of singles already up on Spotify and yeah. um, I've just shot uh, a TV series called Harry Wild. I was in an episode there with the lovely Jane Seymour. Uh, so that'll be coming out Whoa. soon. And um, I'll be in season three of Vikings Valhalla. So there you go now. That's all my secrets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you divulged it all. Um, it's, Jade, it's absolutely brilliant to have you on. and We're, we're very proud of you. Um, you. And it's it's great that you're, you're you're doing so well. And we can't wait to hear um, what's in the future for you. You might come on again and, and tell us all about it. But thanks a million for coming on. And uh, it's great to have people oh, ambassadors thanks like so yourself. Much. Thanks, Jade. And Joe, can I just say, Jade's mum is a brilliant artist as well, Carol O'Connor. Yes. And back in the early days when we, we were doing our dancer in residence, when we were starting off the programme, uh, Catherine Young actually linked in with your mom, Jade, Carol, and we mm -hmm. did um, the first ever National Percent for Art Commission of Dance. Because a lot of the Percent for Art Commissions, Joe, you know, they're sculpture pieces around the country. Yeah. And in other counties, they have commissioned like film and music and um, literature, as we have done. But Kerry was the first county to commission dance, and that project was Carol O'Connor working with Catherine Young and the local community where the housing estate was in Kilorglan. They put on a fabulous show, and it was just brilliant. And Jade, your mom has always been so proud of you, as we all are, as Joe said. Ah, uh, thanks so much. <laughs>
<laughs> thank <laughs> you'll you, have to thank go and get the Kleenex there now. But uh, it's, I will, it's, I will. Uh, it, it, yeah. it's obviously it's obvious that it's in the blood anyway. Jade, thanks Willie for coming on and we wish yes, you best. Thanks though. so much. See you, Kate. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Jade. Bye bye. We're gonna to go to a break now. We'll have more after these. The Saturday supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you in association with Sean Lynch and John O'Reilly. Hogan's Funeral Home, Tralee. Now, so you're listening to Kerry County Council Creative Kingdom and Kate Kennelly, Arts Officer with Kerry County Council, is still with us. And we were talking to Jade O'Connor before the break, Cloglin woman. And uh, Kate, we were saying during the break there, we're very blessed with the talent we have. And people that punch way above their weight in the line of, you know, for such a small county, what we do produce. In the arts world, completely, Joe. And I mean, you know, if you look at Clorgan alone, and I, I won't start naming out because I'm bound to forget people. But you know, even in film, um, you know, like you, you've had Oscar nominees, and I mean, Jade is she's amazing, and you know, she's the most beautiful voice, and I've seen her dance. Now I look forward to seeing her act as well. But uh, it just shows you that where you where you can offer young people and children um, as they're growing a chance to participate in the arts no matter be it like that visual arts or storytelling or dance or music you know it might it just might put them on a career path that inspires them as they go through their lives and it'll inspire everyone around them we're so lucky there's so many people in the county and even she referenced there um the music mixer being from Kerry as well yeah and I you know I hadn't come across that individual there's so many people Joe I don't know about but um yeah 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 and it's amazing how talented Jade is, and you know, dancing, music, acting has it all. Has there, it all? There's, a, there's a there's a there's a saying for that, and a triple threat. That's what it is, <laughs> isn't it? I think it is. So she's a triple threat. Um, so what else is going on, Kate? Um, we're into the busy season of it now. It is always busy, says you, but uh, it is getting always extremely busy. busy at the moment. Well, Joe, this evening now, people, people, if you're back in Dingle, pop in. The Fanzinis are doing a workshop, and then there's going to be some beautiful music by the marching bands from the national schools as part of Cranew. There's loads of events as I said down in Shamsa in the County Museum over at Annam and Killarney out at Muckras Farms so look do have a look at the Crununo programme on our arts website and outside of that Joe Culture Night Joe is coming up <laughs> on Friday the 22nd of September and we have our call out issued at the moment so anyone who wants to get involved in Culture Night if people are looking for funding to do activities, they need to register with us. We have an application form um, by the 20th of June at five o'clock. So you can come up with an event a week or two before Culture Night, but we might not have money left. So basically we'll be allocating the budget, Joe, um, to try and ensure we have a great programme across the county. So anyone who wants to be involved at Culture Night, all the details are on our website. And that's Friday, the 22nd of September. Deadline from um, Kerry County Council for applications is the 20th of June. And Joe, we also have then the Concurton Festival. The music festival is coming up the 23rd to the 25th of June. There'll be concerts, workshops, and a huge Kayleigh Moore, which will be fantastic. Uh, Tim O'Shea with the, his Spree Kiri, which are free concerts. And the first one is on tonight in St. Mary's Church of Ireland at 8 p.m. And the big thing then, Joe, we're consulting for our arts plan. So we'll be issuing a call out through the press um, in the coming week and we're very much looking for public feedback as to what people want to see us prioritise moving forward for the strategic development of the arts in the county. 
and you know Jade referenced there that she has done a lot of work with our dancer in residence so things like that do we continue our dancer in residence program we have a filmmaker in residence a writer in residence we did at one stage have a musician in residence now we're more supporting the music generation program but you know are, are there things Joe that we're not doing that people would like to see the arts office doing are there things we are doing that they think we should definitely continue with? Um, are there things we've never done and people can't believe we haven't done them and they think we need to do them? So um, we're going to have a lovely questionnaire available. And also then we're going to have a short version with just three questions on it, Joe. Um, like that. What are we doing right that we should continue? What are we not doing that we should be doing? And what would you like to see happening over the next 10 years in the arts in the county? So, yeah, and where can people access that then? Is it going to be an open forum or how is it going well, to work? Well, no, that, that very good question, Joe. So we're going to have the questionnaire available through our website. So that's arts.kerrycoco.ie and that will be from the end of next week. And people can also email us in directly to arts, A-R-T-S, at kerrycoco.ie. And also, Joe, we will be having an online public meeting in the coming weeks. It's just a matter of tying that down. Um, and again, we will be available to meet with people in one-to-one -one as well. Now, some of it might be online, some might be in person, but anyone who wants to discuss the strategic development of the arts in the county, please contact us. And the office number is 066-718-3541. And our email is arts, that's A-R-T-S, at kerrycoco.ie. And there's a great team in there, and we're all excited about planning for the future. Yeah, and I'd imagine it's great from your own perspective because it's a ground-up approach. It's getting, you know, people on the ground who live and breathe this to kind of give their opinion. And everyone feels part of it then as well going forward because it is, you know, it's county-wide and it's for everyone. So it's, it's fantastic from that uh, point of view. Yeah, that's hugely important to me, Joe, because at the end of the day, we're, we're a local authority and we're there to serve the public. So it's very important that the people of Kerry, that their voice is central to this strategy. So obviously the art sector, you know, they're great for engaging the, the festivals, the events, the artists and um, some organisations. But we also want the wider public involved because in terms of the audiences and in terms of the practitioners, the future, we want their voices to be heard and seen throughout this as well. So. I really encourage people to just, you know, take the time, give us a quick call, send in an email. If they can fill in the questionnaire, do. Um, we're, one of us will be available to talk and, uh, yeah, we listen. Yeah, excellent. Um, it's amazing as well to hear just the, the events like that roll off the tongue and we kind of, we're timing our year, you and I, with these events as well, like Credudo, oh, I can't believe that's on us today. And then like when you mention Culture Night again and it's like, geez, that's the autumn and we're kind of going, you know, into the winter. It's amazing. And then you you, you mentioned the Concorton Festival, another great festival. It's just festival after festival, great event after great event. So if people want more information on these wonderful events, Kate, finally, where do they go? Uh, to come to our website, which is arts.kerrycoco.com are on social media at Kerry Coarts. And just to say, Joe, we had a super meeting last Thursday night up in Rock Chapel uh, with the Schlieve Lucre Music Trail. Um, so it's a partnership between Cork, Kerry and Limerick. And the next meeting will be in Kerry, but we have to be very democratic as we try to be. So we were in we were in Limerick uh, the second uh, back meeting and we were in Cork this time. But uh, we'll, we'll be home in the kingdom for the next meeting, Joe. 
Brilliant. Rock Chapel, you're practically in the three counties there anyway. And we must say hello to the Murphys over there. Uh, Morris Murphy was a great lecturer of, of mine. I know his parents listened to this programme. So to every, hello to everyone there in Rock Chapel. Kate, that's all we have time for. Thanks a million. I look forward to talking to you next month again. Thanks, Joe, and have a lovely day to all your listeners. That's all we have time for this morning. My thanks to Abigail Bernard, who was on sound. Francis is on the way, so keep it here on Radio Kerry. I'll be back again next Saturday. We'll have our Speaky of Poetry slot with Bernadette Nereida, and we'll also have a Bloss of Kerry featuring another family food business. Until then, look after yourself and take care.